Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so that you and your product teams that you work with can develop products that customers actually love. This episode is sponsored by the Rapid Product Mastery Experience. That's the RPM Experience, which is the fastest way for product VPs to help their product managers become higher performing. Go to productmasterynow.com RPM and see how it can help you and your team as well. Today, we're talking about senior roles that contribute to innovation, specifically the role of CTO, the Chief Technology Officer. Now, product managers and leaders interact with many people in our organizations, and knowing how to leverage those professional relationships is really important to our success. Joining us is Steve Oren. He's the federal CTO at Intel. Steve orchestrates and ex- executes customer engagements in the federal space, overseeing the development of products to address challenges in government enterprise, national security, and other federal areas of focus. He has a reputation as an industry leader, leveraging a history of developing results in innovation, entrepreneurship, and entrepreneurship. As a reminder, if you want to find a written detailed summary of everything that we talk about, including a one-page action guide to help you put into action the key takeaways that we discuss, simply go to productmasterynow.com slash 383. Steve, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here, Chad. So first, I just want, want to learn a little bit more about this role, right? So when I talk with product VPs and CPOs, some of them say that part of their job is to help the rest of the executive team understand what's really involved in their organization developing products, right? Everyone has their different focus. But some roles, such as CTO, are also really involved in innovation itself and product development. And I suspect the role changes from organization to organization and maybe even inside Intel. Can you tell us about your role, what what you've seen in that role? Absolutely. So my role as federal CTO is really to be the interface between customers, the federal customer, and the ecosystem that services them, and our product line be used with the product managers, the engineering teams, and the executives that drive our products across everything we do from IoT to cloud to connectivity, and help drive those requirements from the federal government to meet that they need into business unit roadmaps, into the technologies that we develop going forward. At the same time, the the other side of my role is to help translate and architect our technologies that we have and that are coming to match government mission and enterprise needs, to help them adopt those technologies to the unique challenges. And one of the the fun parts of being a federal CTO at Intel is that I also get to drive and lead our innovation teams that are working directly with government customers on their technical challenges. And that comes in two forms. One is to help federal, what we call federalized commercial technology. So take what works in finance or in healthcare or in other industries and tweak it or modify it to make it work for the federal problem set. And most of the time you'll find across the federal government, they have a lot of the same kinds of issues that you find in a large bank, you find in a healthcare organization, or you find at an industrial manufacturing even into a smart city, but they have unique requirements, whether it be around security, environmental conditions, scale. And so helping to take those federal, those commercial technologies and capabilities and federalize them. But at the same time, they sometimes do have truly unique challenges or they're ahead of the rest of the industry as far as their needs and requirements. And so we have the opportunity to do pathfinding on new capabilities that are built on top of commercial, but specifically address the government's needs today 
And oftentimes we find four or five years out that the other industries, especially the regulated ones like financial services and healthcare, but even the broader industries come to the same needs through their data and their natural evolution. And one of the best examples of this has been around security, where the government has a much higher bar and a higher level of security requirement, but we do see that filter down to the cloud and to financial services and other markets as those threats start to move um, out of just government space and into the broader industry. So we see this sort of back and forth of how do you take commercial technologies to the government and how do the things we do for the government influence and help the broader industry. Okay. So, so as you're talking through that, kind of two big categories came to my mind, and you might put this differently, but I was thinking there's the business development aspect, which is, you know, let's take the solutions we have now things that are also coming uh, as part of our product roadmap and see how those fit with this with these customers, in this case, our federal customers. So there's some business development responsibilities under that role of CTO for you. And then the other aspect is leveraging those internal resources we have at, at Intel in this case and looking at how can we even take the solutions and extend them or be innovative in a new area to meet the future needs of this customer group. Fair enough? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So this is a very innovative sort of role for sure. And now I'm sure I am, and I'm sure some listeners are thinking about this too. How does this really differ with some other things I might be used to in my organization, like a chief product officer or a product VP? So I want to dive into that. Before we go there, you've been in startups, right? And now you're at Intel, certainly a large, I think you're what, top 10, Fortune top 10 Intel is. And so a very different scale of company. So you've seen the CTO role in different contexts, and no doubt you interact with CTOs in uh, different organizations and within C- Intel too, there's multiple CTOs. How have you seen this role different in different places? It's a very good question. And when I think about it, there really are sort of four types of CTO, macro level CTO Hmm. that you can find. And I'll start with the startup CTO, which is where I began as the CTO of several startups throughout the 90s and 2000s. Is the role of the CTO in the startup, besides being the jack of all trades, because everyone gets their hands dirty in a startup, it's really to initiate the innovation that leads to that first POC or prototype. And so step one is the CTO is typically the one that comes up with the novel idea upon which everything gets built. But then it's important to collaborate early with product management and then engineering to get that product from prototype to into the market. And then to continue the innovation so that future opportunities and future capabilities can be added to it while evangelizing what the product does and the marketplace that it's trying to address. And so I find that in this in my startups, one of the first things, as we came up with a cool new idea, and I'm saying, okay, this is something I want to get, get funded, bring together a team. One of my first hires is a product manager. Um, because that is a, a key role in helping to define the requirements that meet the minimal viable. See, as a CTO, I want to do everything. I want to solve every problem. And the product manager is a reality check of what can we do to solve this particular set of customers' problems first. And then as soon as you get to an organization of more than two architects and developers, you need to have some some oversight and some responsible people. And that's when the VP of engineering is brought in fairly quickly. And you become the triumphant. You become the you know, sort of the three parts of how products get to market. Now that starts to evolve, that CTO role starts to evolve when you get to a lar- more established, larger companies, even pre-IPO, where you're driving innovation, but you're also driving the incubation t- across the company that may not all be part of what we call the office of the CTO, but where they're, you're driving that innovation for the company while still doing that evangelizing. But really, what when the more mature organizations, a lot of times the CTO role is looking at those inorganic opportunities. 
So you've got your product established. It's solving customer needs. New versions come out that either fix bugs or add incremental value. And then the CTO role goes more towards what is the big next opportunity? What's the adjacencies that we can go after? And that's where the innovation happens, looking to, to go new market capture, new verticals, and that kind of space. In larger, much larger organizations, we often see uh, sort of two kinds of CTOs. We see a product line CTO that owns a particular technology or particular product category. And that's just a, an evolution of that second type, but to a larger scale. And then we see something called the field CTO. And this is often very closely aligned with the sales and business development teams. And they do mostly technical evangelism. So speaking to customers, speaking at the conference and become the voice of the customer for that particular customer they service back to the the organization. When I look at the fourth role, uh, the fourth type of CTO, really, I think it's a lot more aligned to where my role is. And it's a blending of the other three. It's that evangelism. It's that voice of the customer, which is absolutely crucial as you grow the company to make sure that you're constantly hearing what the customers need today, but also where they may be thinking of next and then also driving innovation and helping to foster it. And so you find these four kinds of dedicated CTOs, field CTOs, and then blended roles that are servicing both sides of the, of the equation. I appreciate the clarity with that, right? And your experience in having seen those uh, different roles in organizations. This is a quick break to thank you for listening and to give you 10 hard-earned recommendations that will help you advance as a product manager and be recognized as a product leader. They are based on insights I've learned after working with many product professionals like you in several organizations, helping them advance using my Rapid Product Master Experience, or the RPM Experience. You can apply the first recommendation in just five minutes, and it will change how you think about the work you do, and also increase your confidence at the same time. I shared it with a leader at Dell Computers when she asked how they can create a more innovation-oriented culture. I also used it to help a startup founder reframe their value proposition. And a marketing manager applied it when she was interviewing for a product role. Not only did she get the job, she also nearly doubled her salary in the process. All that from just the first recommendation. Now, a lot of people have already downloaded the recommendations, and I don't want you to miss out if you haven't done it yet. They're all in a PDF titled, 10 Changes Product Teams Should Make Now to Consistently Launch Products Customers Love. Easily get it by going to productmasterynow.com slash love, that's L-O-V-E, love, because the recommendations will help you better create products that customers love. Don't get passed by others that are already using the recommendations to advance their career. You deserve to advance too. Go to productmasterynow.com slash love and get the recommendations. It seems to me then that CTO role is very much within the the perspective, right? The, the kind of the wheelhouse of how product people might be thinking about roles in the organizations that can help them do a better job and roles that need their help as well. So when you were in that startup situation, I thought it was interesting that your very first hire is the product manager. Right? And then between you as the CTO, the product manager, the VP of engineering, it's that core team that's looking, how do we develop our first product to, to deliver value for our customers? What should that be? And then let's get that done together. And as we scale, then we're, we have some products in place. We're looking for those new opportunities, the Horizon 2 kind of opportunities, right? The adjacent uh, markets that we might go into, how we can leverage our products in new places. And then maybe looking at that internal, external perspective. All of that expresses a lot of what 
when we talk about what does a product manager do in terms of understanding the customer's needs and wants and the voice of the customer, so to speak, and bringing that into the organization, those really resonate with that perspective. of As you've worked in these different organizations, and there has been that product person, a product VP or a chief product officer, or maybe even a different title, how do you see the CTO and that sort of role different? How do you work together? Compare and contrast that for us some. In my past, both currently in the company working with our product line folks are a lot of times called planners inside Intel, the product managers and the engineering managers, engineering directors. It really is that triumvirate that is controlling. And, and the phrase I like to use is the now, next and after next. So the VP of engineering is focused on now building the product to the current set of requirements to get it out the door with the maximum amount of bug fixes they can get in a particular time frame with particular resources. The Product manager is really focused on the next. So that's what are the key customer requirements we need to solve to continue to be viable? What are the bug fixes that are absolutely critical for customers? And what are the the, the next phase of innovation that's really coming from the CTO? How do you manage that balance? And in some respects, you almost see the PM is playing the scale between engineering and CTO innovation, but it's not an adversarial per se, it's where how we work together. Because as a CTO thinking after next, I'm trying to get us to what is that next big market or that big non-organic growth opportunity. And sometimes the CTO, and I've been guilty of this before, it's gonna say, I need 40 engineers, we're gonna spend a year dedicated, we're gonna build this whole new capability. And of course, the PM is saying, we also have to solve our current customers' problems. And the VP of engineers says, I've only got 20 resources, what are you guys talking about? And what I found is really successful is that, we'll call it a negotiation, but really it's that back and forth. And what's really worked well for me is understanding what are the key things that I want to get into the product today that help build out the capabilities for the next and the after next. And some of the best successes I've seen in being able to do those big moves and adjacencies is where I didn't solve the problem today, the big innovation. But I put in key features into the roadmap that were building blocks that then I could take an innovation team that had that core feature and build some novel capability on top of it to illustrate to a customer, here's what we could do if you're interested. They come back and say, oh yeah, I want that. And then the PM gets involved and says, okay, now I know the requirements and I have customer validation. Now we can build the big innovation as opposed to taking a pure leap of faith, which is what you do in the early stage startup because it is at that stage, a leap of faith. But as you grow, you really want to be able to do that sort of incremental innovation that sort of marries risk with reward. And that's why the three are so important is to balance each other because engineering wants to do what they can with the resources they have and try to get a perfect product out the door, which we know mm -hmm. is a, a not necessarily achievable goal. And product management is that really good conduit back and forth. And I find that the most successful organizations have those three working together in tandem as a unit. And what I find is that you don't want one reporting to the other. You really want them as peers so that they can properly represent the, the power struggle, if you will, that drives that innovation and also drives the product capabilities to meet customer needs. And that's one of the key things in a dynamic environment like we all live in is balancing you know, so short-term customer needs, long-term innovation needs, and then the business needs to be able to manage costs and manage resources. And to be able to do that correctly, all three have to work together. And so when you talk about the VP of product or product line business units, I, it is important. And, and we see the really successful organizations have figured out how to enable those three functions, even if they have a slightly different titles, to interoperate together to meet the end goal of you know, driving revenue, driving product innovation, and keeping customers happy. 
Again, I, I like the clarity in there, right? The This now, next, and a- after next sort of framework to think about where people are focused. We might think about that in terms of a product roadmap at times, right? We know what we're working on now, what we're doing next, and, and what's coming after that might be less planned. But this really helps with some clarity about the roles themselves. Obviously, engineering is working on what is going on now. We're getting the product out the door. We're creating that um, and uh, getting that ready. Product management, then that VP of product is focused on what is next and typically also listening to the customer. And sounds like in this, uh, from your perspective, from a CTO perspective, also responding to what the CTO is finding out and what they think is that next future after what we're doing right now, possibilities that we could bring into the marketplace. And having them work together is, is really important. I know as people in organizations, sometimes we lose track a little bit of what are these executive roles really doing and are they siloed or are they actually integrated? And as product managers, some of us love this role so much before we, because we get to see that bigger picture and we get to interact with so many different people in the organization. And the way that you described this as that back and forth, uh, uh, a negotiation in some sense, but, but recognizing that these three roles are interdependent and when they're aligned, we accomplish a lot more together. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay. You know, any one of them brings innovation into this picture. And that's one place where th- there could be uh, more opportunities for back and forth discussions, right? Where someone thinks, no, no, th- this is what I'm hearing from the marketplace, or this is what I'm seeing is going to be possible because of technology direction and someone else having a different perspective. How does the CTO help contribute to that overall innovation effort? And maybe some of those discussions about, well, of the things that we're all seeing, where, where do we go? So that's a really good question. And in my experience, successful CTOs drive and lead innovation, but they also recognize that innovation can come from many places. And I see it as the role of the CTO to be that focal point for innovation, to foster and encourage it both inside the CTO organization, but in the broader company as well, across development. And you find it's innovation from engineers, from product managers, from the help desk, even from finance. You see interesting places where innovation comes from because everyone has their view or their aspect of the view of either the customer or the market. And so it's important to, from a CTO's role, it's to help be that center point, to help collect it, to help foster it in all the different places, and then to help drive the what I call the transition to practice or the transfer. So successful CTOs, you know, a lot of CTOs and even chief scientists, you know, they have these lab experiments and they're like, this is a cool whiz-bang technology, but they don't know how to get it from the lab to enterprise or into the real world. And I think one of the, the key roles of a successful CTO is to know how to navigate out of the lab into real world and then help to scale. And that's that back to that product manager, VP of engineering, uh, CTO role is working together to understand how we get the innovation into the products and into the real world. But the other thing is that a CTO's job is to be the voice of innovation for the company. And so wherever that innovation is happening, to be uh, receptive, to get those that innovation wherever it comes from and to foster it and to really encourage mm-hmm. people to go try things like the, the term fail off and fail fast and fail forward. Um, but it's really about that innovation. You learn, I've learned so much from some of my failures than I have some from some of my successes. Understanding what didn't work, we not only saw, okay, now we know how better to make things work, but we said, well, you know what, this didn't work. But one of the things we learned in that process, there's a whole new capability that we should be looking at because we failed in interesting ways. And so it's finding out how you then foster that innovation. And then also being the voice of innovation beyond the organization. So giving a, a pulpit, if you will, for the engineers and for the architects to be able to 
innovate, speak about their innovations, both inside the company and at industry conferences and with customers to help facilitate that is really, I see as the role of the CTO. So while everyone is involved in innovation and it can come from anywhere, I think the CTO helps play a focal point to help make sure that it's not lost on the floor and doesn't get wasted, that it actually gets fostered and gets encouraged throughout the organization. Okay. So, so you're rallying the existing resources in the organization for innovation. You're trying to encourage more resources, it sounds like, for innovation, get everyone thinking about how they can contribute to innovation. And also that, that the mag- megaphone for sharing what is going on in the organization externally as well, in some sense, maybe helping your peers, your competitors, and your customers recognize the organization as an innovative organization. Good characterization? Yes, Absolutely. And in that driving innovation, you mentioned uh, CTOs may have their lab experiments, which made me think, where, where does R&D fit into kind of this, these puzzle pieces, too? In the very large-scale organization, like Intel specifically, but a you know, very large-scale organization, do CTOs have their own resources? Are they interacting with R&D through this? How, how does that fit in? So in, inside a large organization like Intel, we have a, an entire organization called the Intel Labs which is where a lot of the advanced R&D happens. And the classic model, although it doesn't always hold to this, is the five to 10 year is happening in the lab. So thinking out the, the future, the real future happens there and they have different areas of focus and CTOs for specific domains. And then the product line CTOs work with the labs on taking the five to 10 and making it a two to five. And so the, the product line CTOs will also have their own lab resources, looking at the the nearer term technologies, but also working closely with the labs to make sure that they're aligned uh, together. And you find that in large organizations and small, you'll find combinations of those different approaches. Sometimes the CTO has a dedicated team that is doing just innovations and interesting adjacencies. You have some organizations where the CTO office is really looking at the core product and how can we make it more efficient or how can we change the way we build this particular feature or this capability separate from the engineering, which is just building the capabilities. And so you find both of the sort of the future thinking as well as the, how do I make this product more efficient or scalable? And, and really diving into it. And you'll find that you'll find resources throughout all of those organizations. The successful companies empower their CTOs to be able to help foster and drive that innovation, whether that's through direct teams uh, or at Intel, one of the models we often use is the matrix organizations. We may have large teams of innovators um, around the globe, and then they get matrix to a particular CTO or chief architect to be able to drive innovation for a particular topic or a particular uh, area of expertise and allows us to cross-pollinate and so that they get experience across different technology domains by being able to work on very interesting projects. And we've got a fairly rich process at Intel for fostering new innovation, for getting the interesting ideas in front of the senior technical leaders to help spearhead that, those teams' capabilities. In my case, I have both a small capability of pathfinding architects that are specifically focused on federal projects, but then I also tap into the labs and tap into the product line innovation teams and feed them requirements or ideas to how to, could you go do something here and figure out how we get better RF sensing capabilities? Or how can we do better image recognition and AI for particular use cases? So it's a back and forth, but I think one of the key things is making sure that you have access to the resources that are doing innovation, whether it's their full-time job or it's part of their job while they're also doing the, the day-to-day engineering. Okay, so many great points to to dive into, because even outside the federal space, we're talking about customers and organizations and how as product people, can we better leverage the resources we have inside the organization to help us be successful 
And what most of us want is influencing that bigger picture to help the organization be successful too. You talked about the labs being that five to 10 year out version of things and the the CTO working on the after next, what is coming further out in the future. Before you, you mentioned that maybe influencing the product roadmap in some sense and working with the product VP at engineering to ladder capabilities to get you to that further vision. And the further we get out, usually the more cloudy things are in terms of uh, our uh, assurance uh, of that we're going to be developing the right thing the customer actually needs then. But I liked what you talked about earlier in doing that laddering, that maybe we have this idea that might be five, uh, 10 years out, certainly out after next. And we work with product now, product VPs and engineering now, to introduce a capability that would be related to this now we have something we can talk to customers about and get their feedback on and see if that's a path we should continue going down. That sounds like a very wise way to, to use this role and everything you've talked about. Have you seen that? Is that has that been pretty common to your experience as CTO and, and a really successful way in growing in a direction with customers and letting customers in some sense co-develop products with you? Absolutely. In my experience, as well as what I've seen in some of my peers in the industry, um, where you have the opportunity to put in those little hook points, if you will, into the product that you can then build innovations off to the side. And sometimes it's exposing some APIs that you can then use to, to build little widgets that demonstrate a new capability or adding a particular feature that's a, a foundational feature. And one, one of the best examples I can give you of this is from one of my startups where we had a product that was targeted at the security auditor within a large organization. And we wanted to grow into the area of compliance. And so there were a lot of ideas that we had, but we really didn't have a good feeling of what were the key compliance regimes, what were the key regulations that we should focus on. And so one of the things we did is we had them build in a, a feature to be able to do, take the results, the report, and be able to transform it into different formats. And so it was a, a, a technology called XSLT, which basically allowed you to take an XML file and do a quick transform into another format. And so the feature we asked them to build in was just the support for that new feature, that new transformation. Once we had that in one of our early versions, then I had a small team of people could go and build a reporting tool that could take the raw results and transform it into a HIPAA report or into a PCI report or into a FedRAMP, a federal report, and be able to give the customer a view of the output in terms that map to those regulations they cared about. And so the feature that I added wasn't the report itself, but it was just the transformation tool. And then we did a couple of mock-ups to show the customers and have them give us feedback. Well, yes, that makes sense. Oh, no, I would map it differently. And had them, co like I said, co-develop what they needed based on this new capability that wasn't part of the product they bought, but it was something we could then take to them because the feature was there and say, hey, run this little tool that we have with the, you know, the existing product and see what it looks like. And I find that when you get the customers involved early in the development cycle, and have them provide that feedback, it helps make sure that what you end up with is much more aligned to what they need uh, than what you think they need. And both myself and peers within Intel, as well as, as I've seen my peers in the broader you know, ecosystem, having customers engagement earlier in the process and being able to demonstrate new capabilities with the customer, with their requirements, has been one of the most successful ways to both anticipate their needs, but also make sure that what we're developing actually maps. So it's one thing to be in a room and to hear a bunch of requirements and whiteboard sessions. It's another to be able to show them something and have them point and say, yay, nay, oh, that is terrible, or that it really works for me. Could you do this? 
And those kind of interactions are very valuable. And I think one best practice I like to do is not just be in the room with the VP of engineering, the VP of uh, product management, and myself and the customer. Bring the engineers along. Have subject matter experts in the room that are on the architecture team, even if they're just in the back listening. Having them be in the room and be able to hear from the customer and be able to pick up on things that we may not be thinking about or get inspired because of the way the customer said, hey, I need this product to do X. And we think, oh, we need X. And the developer's thinking, you know what? If you wanted to do X, we need to do these two things and we can give you X plus Y. It's And at the same time, it also gives the, the developer a sense of ownership. They recognize that they are part of the conversation. And that's really invaluable for helping to spawn innovation in interesting places. I think that's a best practice. I'm so glad that you included that. Uh, having engineers come to customer meetings and somehow hearing firsthand how customers describe their problem and what it, it is that they need. And as you said, even if they're just listening, um, that's really valuable for them to have that perspective from the customer directly. As product people, we try to bring that back into the organization, but it's different when you have a lead engineer, someone with influence in the engineering group to have that experience themselves. And uh, the, the more, the better there. Let's speak, as we wrap this up, let's speak directly to the product VP for a moment. What is it that CTOs could do to help interact with a product VP role better? So from your experience as a CTO, what have you done that makes that relationship work better for the organization? This is a very good question, Chad. And oftentimes in a lot of large organizations, you find that there may even be somewhat of an adversarial because the CTO and the product management team is trying to drive forward. The VP of engineering has got, here are my resources and here's what we can accomplish in this timeframe. Part of it is not making it adversarial. And that's what the feedback and forth, but also to be the advocate. I think one of the things that I've found that's been really successful for me, especially at a large organization like Intel, is instead of throwing at the VP of engineering, here's all the things you have to do, is working with the VP of engineering to be his his or her advocate to management of why they need more resources, why they need more infrastructure, and to, to basically come to the, with them to their executives and help brief on the next product or on how the engineering process is going and why it matters to the customer, why it matters to the bottom line and driving revenue, driving new customer adoption. And so I think one of the ways that CTOs can be can work better with their VP of engineering is to really be their advocate in the broader company and with the customer. At the same time, it's also recognizing that there's a real world. There's only so much code you can pump out in a given day from a given set of resources. And so having realistic expectations. For me, a lot of that was spending time with the engineering team to see what their challenges are, see what's the hot bottlenecks, and to be a resource. So as the chief innovator, you're also very clued in on what are the key ways to accomplish certain technical needs. I found that, especially in my startup days, it was uh, just spending time with the engineers and they listened to what was challenging, what was the feature that was giving them the most trouble, and working with them, say, you know what, we I've seen something that this product over here did Maybe we could leverage some of that. So bringing innovation and having one-on-one conversations with the engineers to be, again, to interface directly to them, not to be this sort of external entity that just throws things over the wall. And so I think that is one of the ways that as a CTO, we can help foster both innovation, but also create that relationship with the VP of engineering. Because ultimately, if I get, if we can better position the engineering team to get the resources, the infrastructure it needs, the funding, they can then do more innovative things that I need as a CTO. And so it it works both ways. If you advocate for them, ultimately you're enabling them to do more. So that's the relationship between the CTO and the engineering VP. What about the product VP? How would you 
fit that into this puzzle too and say, this is how we can work better together, the CTO and the product VP as well. In my experience, and I've seen this in other companies that have been really successful, the product VP, product management VP, CPO, and the CTO should be best buddies, that we should work in tandem together. Because ultimately, we're really trying to solve the, the same problem. What are the key requirements necessary to make our, our customers successful and make our company successful? As I mentioned earlier, the next and after next, we're looking at it from slightly different vantage points. But there's a lot in that Venn diagram, there's a lot of intersecting between what's next and what's the after next. And so the, the role that the CTO and the product VP should be working in tandem, working together on both the requirements definition, the sources. And that's one of the interesting things is that classically, uh, the product VP is the, it's the customers, maybe for the, the trouble tickets and things like that are driving requirements, whereas the CTO is looking more industry-wide, new market opportunities. But bringing those two worlds together and having the CTO and the product line VP working in tandem allows for the, the mixing of that. Because we'll see things like as the CTO, I'll be out talking to customers, I'll be out talking to analysts, I'll be looking at market trends, looking at the competition, at the channel, at a variety of sources that may not line up directly to what the product VP sees. And so I'm a resource of information and content that helps inform his or her decisions of what's the next features that need to be in there. So seeing what the channel, for instance, is trying to do or where they're struggling, that may be something that the sales team sees a lot of at the CTO being in that evangelism role and working with those channel partners, I may see opportunities there. Helping that feedback into product management enables them to make better decisions um, ultimately for the product and its features. Similarly, the, the PM is seeing the day-to-day -day of what the next features need to be. And this is where the innovation is. So we're seeing a lot of these kind of trouble tickets. So we're seeing these kind of requests coming from customers for you know, product improvements. And as a CTO, I'm saying, well, I'm seeing a trend here because I see like they're asking for something that I'm seeing our competition do, or I'm seeing some of the market trends going towards, whether it be like to, to microservices, they want so someone's asking for APIs. Well, why are they asking for APIs? Maybe they want to do some sort of uh, plugin or, or microservice add-on or thing, you know, multi-cloud kind of use case. And so bridging those two worlds allows us to get better visibility into what the actual needs are and where those trends are going to move forward. And so I think it's absolutely a key pairing between the product line owner and the CTO. I really like the different perspectives that you all bring, right? Because you are paying attention to different sources of information. You have different kinds of contact with the customers. And these different perspectives integrated together gives us more insights into what we can be building in the future to better serve our customers. It's not this extreme, but it reminds me of, of that story of the, the three blind men that go and start touching the elephant. It's like trying to figure out what is this thing that they're interacting with. And together, they, they, can, they come to different approaches on their own. But if they integrate it together, they have a better understanding of what the whole thing is. And so those three roles working together works really well. And I like where you started that this should not be an adversarial relationship. We should be working together. We do have different timelines in view, the next, the now, next, and the after next and those different perspectives to bring, and we can offer so much more value by integrating those. I appreciate all the details about the CTO role, how that relates to our product work that we do as product managers and product leaders as well. As listeners know, we love innovation quotes, and I asked you to bring one for us. If you could share that and tell us what that means, that would be great. Sure. So the quote I, I try to live by around innovation and really about how I operate is to surround yourself with people smarter than yourself and listen to them. And I really, I got that quote, uh, from, I was listening to a talk by Jim Collins, who wrote Good to Great and Built to Last. And uh, it was as a small environment where he came to speak. 
And it really resonated for me. Uh, the successful leader, whether it be a CTO, it be a, a CEO, or, or a politician, the ones that have teams of people that are smarter than themselves that are contributing to the conversation and to the, the bottom line um, are the most successful ones. And for me, I've always tried to surround myself with people because I always want to be learning. I know that I'm not the smartest person in the room and I want not to be the smart. I want to be able to learn from my engineers, from my architects, and from my peers. At the same time, I also want to be able to get those different views because like you said, each one comes with their own perspective and it's seeing across those views and across those domains of expertise that gives us the better accurate insight into the problem or the solution that we're looking for. And so whether it be the teams that I'm building for myself or the teams that I try to surround myself at the, in the matrix or in the larger organizations, it's really trying to align yourself with really smart people that know what they're doing and listen to them, enable them, and both the ones that agree with you and the ones that disagree. The minority reports are often just as important and sometimes more important to hear what's the alternative, what's the other way of thinking about it, because it gets you thinking differently as well. So that's the way I've, I've always tried to live my teams, my startups, as well as in, my, in the big organization is make sure you foster smart uh, people and grow them. So if start them and get them and continue to grow them, you want your, the people who work for you to end up being CTOs in their own right mm -hmm. and CEOs in their own right. Yeah, absolutely. If we're the smartest person in the room, then something's wrong. We, we need good people around us to learn from. And it seems the more we learn about anything, the more we realize there is to learn, to keep learning. That's certainly true in this field, for sure. So thank you so much for sharing that quote for us. For people that want to find out more about what you do, more the, about the things that's going on at Intel, how can we do that? So the best way to reach out to me is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, Soren on LinkedIn. And then if you want to find out more about the work I'm doing for Intel and federal and public sector, go to intel.com slash public sector. I will make sure those are in the those links are in the show notes. Steve, I appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing the CTO role and how that fits into product work that we're, we're accustomed to as well. Thank you for having me today, Chad. And for listeners, remember, if you want details on everything we just talked about in a written format, along with a one-page action guide to put into action immediately some of the key takeaways that Steve shared with us, just go to productmasterynow.com slash 383. Everyone, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.